Before I uh, read my scripture, I would like to make the church aware that uh, this morning at the 8.15 service, we, uh, Andy and Nikki are starting a, a series on creation, the seven days of creation. They'll be doing that every 8.15 service for seven Sundays, and they will do it also at the, at the contemporary service that's going on it's right now. Nikki's preaching the sermon that she preached at 8.15. She's preaching at that service. And I, it gives you this opportunity because I'm, I'm going to be preaching. I'm, I'm not led to preach on that. They are. And that's okay. Uh, so I'll be preaching a different uh, sermon each week than what they'll be doing. So you have the opportunity to go to uh, hear them at one of those services and come and worship with, with me. And you only have to put in the offering once. But <laughs> but uh, what a, what a great opportunity this is to do a, a good a good study on creation and our responsibility in it. I believe in that. I'm just not led to preach on it. But I believe in it, and I think we have a responsibility. So I'm really excited for them. And uh, so take advantage of this opportunity. What a, what a great opportunity it is. So I hope you pay a little attention to that and give that some careful attention. Uh, that would be a, a great thing to do. Now, today I'm reading out of uh, John, the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. The first 17 verses. I'm reading out of the New Living uh, Translation. Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is after Easter, so he's appeared again to them. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin. Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of the other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. They all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Then he called out to him, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he was stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards away. When they got there, they found breakfast was waiting for them. Fish, cooking on a charcoal fire, and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net shore. There were a hundred and fifty-three large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. 
None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you really love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Let's pray. O risen Lord, come here today. Give us the bread of life that we so desperately need. And give us a word of direction so that we might live life at its best. That we might be in a good relationship with you. Give us the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to not only love you, but to feed your sheep. We wait for you and your blessings. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I think I know why uh, Peter said I'm going fishing. After all he had been through, he just needed some fishing therapy. So I think he said, I'm going fishing. He he had been walking with Jesus for three years. He had been with him through that that terrible last several days. Saw him die on the cross and uh, raised from the dead. And uh, now he just needed to go somewhere and figure it all out. So he needed some fishing therapy. I can understand why he said, I'm going fishing. I think I can understand why he would say I'm going fishing because he thought, I think, that it was over. That uh, Jesus had conquered the grave and conquered sin and had raised from the dead, but uh, now it was over. So he was going back to what was familiar. It's not a bad idea that when you've been confused and you're overcome with experiences in life that you go to what's familiar to you. So he he was a a fisherman by trade, and he was sort of going back to the same old, same old, the comfortable comfortable life that uh, he had known before Jesus. I think I understand that.
I think I can understand why he would say I'm going fishing because it's a smart thing when you're when you're confused in life and you're overcome by life that you go back to where you first met Jesus. So I think that's one of the great reasons. I think that's the main reason that he went back to go fishing because that was where he first met Jesus. And it's not a bad idea. Every once in a while, we ought to go back to where we first met Jesus. I need to do that and often do that. I, I go back in person. I go back as I, in my own uh, ideas and my thoughts. I go back. I go back to the, those churches that were like Zacchaeus's tree to me, where I was uh, in the tree of life, and Jesus came my way and said, Come on, I'm going to your house. And uh, I need to go back there again and hear him call my name and invite himself back into my life. I, I think about how many places there are. Like that. Not just one place, not just one church, many churches, but not only churches. Uh, I think about the youth camp at Leesburg, how that was a very special place where I, I came close to Jesus and where I heard him call my name again and say, come and follow me. And as a teenager, uh, I entered into a relationship with him there. I love to go there and still see the cross sitting out on the lake, remembering that those first moments when I felt his presence there. And I have a, a, a platform rocker in my in my office at home. And it, it's a very special platform rocker for me because on my 21st birthday, I made an altar out of that platform rocker. And my tears stained the seat of that, of that platform rocker where I said, I give up, Jesus. I give up. You want my life? I'm giving it over to you. I'm not very smart. I'm certainly not holy enough. I'm not sissy enough. I am, I'm not good enough. But here I am. If you want me. I give up to you. And every once in a while, because it's in my office now, I still go over there and kneel down again and feel his presence again where I first gave over my lifetime. That's a good thing to do. You ought to do that. I I, I told you before, and some of you may remember, that I have a special place that I like to go when I when I'm needing to have special time with Jesus, special places. It's the top row of the balcony up there. It's a great place to pray. It gives you a sense of the greatness of God when you're up there and see this big sanctuary and the smallness that you are in comparison. And I like to just sit there and feel his presence and uh, to know that he is God. And it's a great place to go. Well, years ago, there was a, a young lady who was a, a junior high, I think it was. And she had, she had heard that that's what I did. And she told her mother and dad, I, 
I want to go to the balcony. I want to feel his presence there, too. So they called me, and they brought her down and waited while I took her up to the balcony. And we prayed together. She had some real need for uh, the presence of Jesus in her life. And we prayed together up there. She's a, a mother now, has her own family, lives too, way too far away. But every once in a while, I'll get a, I get a, a, an email from her or a, or a message. And she says, I need to go to the balcony again. And I think she does. I think she can go to the balcony wherever she is. Because you see, you're not going to a place so much as you're going to a person. And Jesus is always there, ready to meet you. I understand why Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. He needed to go back and be where Jesus was and where he first came into his life. And that's what happens. Peter's out fishing with the other disciples, and uh, they fish all night and catch nothing. They're near the shore, and Jesus comes along. He hollers out what people always holler when they see people fishing. Have you caught any fish? No, they said. We fished all night, and we've caught nothing. Most of us know about things like that, don't we? How we have fished all night and come up with emptiness, come up with nothingness. We know what it's like, don't we? To have an empty heart, an empty life, an empty house. We know about emptiness. And the disciples knew that. They'd fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus gives them some great instructions. He said, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Now there are those people who say it's obvious that Jesus didn't know much about boats and ships because he should have said, cast your nets on the starboard side of the boat. Uh-uh. He said, cast your nets on the right side instead of the wrong side. And maybe the reason why we have empty lives, the reason we have empty nets, the reason we have empty hearts is we've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. So these are good words of instruction for us to cast your nets on the right side instead of the wrong side of life. It happens to me all the time. When I go back to fishing on the wrong side of the boat, I always come up empty. But when I'm fishing according to the direction of Jesus, fishing on the right side of the boat, life has an abundance and a fullness to it that I can't find on the wrong side of the boat. And so they cast their nets and they have an abundance catch of fish. And Jesus said, well, let's go have some breakfast together. And in those moments of eating together, it's always amazing to me how when you eat with Jesus, something begins to happen. That autobiographical sketch of his is is really good, where it says, behold, he eats with sinners. Something happens when you eat with Jesus. 
Something happens when you take that cup and take that bread. It's a, there's a mysticness about it. I can't explain it. There's the real presence of Jesus that comes into your life. It makes a difference. You can feel it. You know it. And this is the same thing that happens to the disciples. It said they knew he was Jesus. They knew it at that moment. He makes himself known through the breaking of bread. And uh, that, that happens whenever we have a meal with Jesus. Now, after they have eaten together, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? Now, there are those who say, he's saying, do you love me more than the rest of the disciples? Uh-uh. I don't think Jesus cares about comparative faithfulness. Do you love me more than the Baptists do? Do you love me more than the Presbyterian? No, no. Do you love me more than these? I think he's talking about the boat, the net, and the fish. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than that boat? I know some men who love their boat more than they love their kids. Do you love me more than you love the boat? You know what that boat represents? It represents the things that we put stock in to deliver us from the angry waves of life. And so often they're so pitiful they can't possibly deliver us. But do you love me more than those pitiful things in life? Do you love me more than the nets? You know what the nets are? The nets are those things that really control us, that have uh, entrapped us, that snare us in life. Habits, angers, prejudices, all nets that that hold on to us and we hold on to. They clutch us. Do you love me more than those? Do you love me more than the fish? 153 large fish. You know what that represents? The wealth of the world. Do you love me more than the things of the world? Do you love me more than the wealth of the world? And uh, I have lunch with a friend. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, he may not even remember it. He said something about the idols that we have in life. That we worship idols. And I began to think about the idols in my own life. Because ever so subtly, see, God said, you should, you should have no other gods before me. But ever so subtly, there have been other gods that have creeped into my life. Other things that I have put before God, not even aware that I'd done that. And I became conscious of the idols that I have. And if we're honest, we, we have to think about the idols that we have in our life that have become before God. Can we be honest about it? The idols? Sammy Seminole, 
Albert, the alligator, the ibis, the donkey, the elephant, the flag. Oh, wait a minute. Me. Me, myself, and I had become the Trinity instead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we're honest, and we must be, we need to confess that we have let other gods be our full devotion. You shall have no other gods before me, he said. Do you love me? More than the idols that you have in your life? Pretty good question. Simon Peter said, Lord, I love you. Jesus asked him three times. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Simon? Do you really love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then tend my flock. A third time he asked him, and in one passage of Scripture it says that Peter said with an oath, You know all things, Lord. And what he was saying is, You know I denied you three times. And you're reminding me of that. The contract had been broken So the third time Jesus asked him, do you love me? The contract is renewed. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know I love you. And the relationship was restored. Here comes Jesus. He is a living Savior. And he's in the world. And he comes right here today. I think he's got some good words of instruction for us. He says, get serious. Get serious and start fishing on the right side of the boat instead of the wrong side. Get serious. Get serious. And uh, quit worshiping all those idols that you've let clutter up your life. Get serious. Get serious and feed my lambs. Tend my flock. Feed my sheep. Here comes Jesus this morning with those instructions. It's time we quit fishing and started feeding the sheep. And that's the truth. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a lot of time. I didn't realize we had, I should have preached longer. (laughs) But, uh, hey, take some time to visit with people around you. We didn't do the welcome, the moments of neighborliness. So take time to speak to each other and and have a good word to say and, and just be family. That's a good thing. Okay? Now may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory.
now and forever, forever, forevermore. Amen.